everyone. Welcome to Disney Channel Discourse again. I, I never know how to start these. I I struggle with that. I, maybe I should come up with some sort of like token saying that I always start with. Meh, no, it's probably a bad idea. Change it up every time. Keep it fresh. And speaking of keeping it fresh and segues, uh, after my little animation series kick, talks about talked about Big City Greens, talked about Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Now we are back to a live-action decom, and it's been a while since I've talked about a live-action decom. Well, not that long. I think three weeks or so, Color of Friendship was the last one. And now we are talking about a more recent movie. Uh, actually, funnily enough, uh, Starstruck was about half the length of time ago released, came out, than the Color of Friendship did. Kind of a confusing sentence there, but you get the idea. Color Friendship was 2000, and Starstruck was 2010. To be precise, the date was, as I look up the date, I think it was, I actually think it was a Valentine's Day release. Um, yes, it was. February 14th, 2010. This movie came out Starstruck, stylized as Starstruck with one word, but both S's are capitalized. And I was thinking, hmm. I want to get back to doing another decom. I did two weeks talking about series. I want to talk about a decom. And also those two series were series that I had never seen before. So I want to talk about a movie I have seen before. And I was going, hmm, this one? Nah, blah, blah, blah. I had a couple options. Like, maybe I'll get to them later. But Starstruck, I was like, yes, now's the time. This is the moment to talk about Starstruck. It just seemed like destiny. And I, I saw this movie when it came out. I don't know if exactly the night it premiered, but like a couple times in 2010, I definitely saw it and I was like, eh, there have been some better ones. And I went like almost 10 years without seeing it again until I think December 2019, soon after I got Disney Plus, I watched it and I was like, hmm, I remember this movie being somewhat interesting. So maybe I'll give it another try. And I watched it and I was like, hmm, this isn't bad. This isn't bad. Pretty good decom. Not among the elite, I wouldn't say. And I wouldn't be too interested in watching it again, I don't think. My sister really likes it, though. So actually, at one point, I think like maybe a month later, sometime during January, I want to say, or maybe a little later, she was like, hey, what? I'm going to watch Starstruck. Want to watch? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll sit in the room. And I was like, oh, I kind of just saw this. This is not the kind of movie you watch twice in a short span of time. And, um, I think that's still true, but you know what? I gave it a couple months, and I was like, you know, let me watch it again. And this time that I watched it, third time in the past year or so, I liked it more than ever. I thought it was hilarious and creative and unique among the DCOM universe because basically, to put it as bluntly as I can, this is a Justin Bieber fanfic as a movie. That's what it that's what this is. This is a fan fiction and Sterling Knight is meant to look like a Walmart brand Justin Bieber. People talk about how Garrett Clayton in Teen Beach is meant to be a Walmart brand Zac Efron. Sterling Knight is a Walmart brand Justin Bieber. They were like we can't hire Justin Bieber for this movie, so we'll get the next best thing, Sterling Knight. And there was hype for this movie. They pushed it. They were like, "Oh man, yep, Justin Bieber is, who was like 15 16 17 at the time around there like you know pretty popular amongst eight nine year olds similar demographic to disney channel 
they knew people were going to like this or people would at least be very intrigued by the premise. And people were. People were intrigued by the premise. And a lot of people watched it. Uh, I pull up the numbers now from opening night. Disney Channel. There's a Wikipedia page that I think I've used before multiple times that has the ratings from the release dates for almost every DCOM. And Starstruck had 6 million on opening night, which is a pretty fair amount. Pretty, I think like maybe slightly above average for that era. Yeah, because you have like, you know, the the low note, like Dad Napped, Hatching Pete, Den Brother, Avalon High, all had like under four. That's like 2009, 2010-ish. Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure also had under four. Geek Charming had, oh no, sorry, not under four, under five. And yeah, on the high end, you have, of course, Wizards Wizards movie, which was like 11.4, which is still the second most of all time. Princess Protection Program at 8.5 million, which is extremely high as well. I think like in the top 10 all time, because of course, Demi and Selena, that was a big draw. Camp Rock 2 at almost 8. Star Trek at 6. That's pretty high. So there was a considerable amount of hype leading into this movie. Also, like people knew who Sterling Knight was. From Sonny with a Chance, which had been out for a year at that point. People liked him. He's funny. He's charming. And Brandon Michael Smith, also from Sonny with a Chance, also in this movie. So we got these two Sonny with a Chance co-stars who hate each other in Sonny with a Chance, their characters do, and are best friends in Starstruck. So that was kind of a draw for some people. And I was trying to, as I was doing my research for this episode, I was trying to find out like what the origin was of this movie. Because like, it's hard to find stuff on DCOMs. Like, High School Musical, there's a lot of stuff out there about Peter Barsacchini coming up with it, pitching the movie, getting the green light, all these things in production, like, because people, you know, are inter- really interested in High School Musical. So there's a lot of information about there, a lot of information out there about it. And Starstruck was created by Barbara Johns, and she wrote the screenplay with Annie DeYoung. And I could barely even find anything about Barbara Johns. Like, I was trying to find out like, oh, what was the, you know, the idea behind it? How did she get inspired to come up with this story? How on board was Disney? Like these, this is the kind of information I want to know and I want to find out, but nothing, nothing. Like I look up Barbara John's Starstruck, I get Barbara John's IMDb page and uh, nothing else. Ooh, here's something. Here's something kind of interesting on scripts.com slash script slash starstruck underscore 18818 is the exact url starstruck synopsis jessica olsen goes to los angeles with nothing more in mind than visiting her grandparents while her sister tries to meet christopher wilde i guess this is kind of a it's kind of helping now i don't have to come up with my own synopsis because i'm just reading this one from scripts.com one night she meets christopher wilde they go on an adventure around los angeles and start to like each other when Jessica returns home, Christopher on national TV says he doesn't know her and never met her. Okay, that's a pretty terrible synopsis that doesn't explain much. I don't think that was written by Barbara Johns. And there's nothing else on... Oh yeah, okay. Here's the script. Okay, yeah, it looks like the entire script for this movie is on this website. Okay, I don't think this is like a professional thing. I should think just like a website where like people will post scripts and synopsis synopses synopsi to their favorite movies or something anyway i guess it's time enough to start talking about this movie starstruck starring sterling knight as christopher wilde and danielle campbell 
as Jessica Olsen, who, even though Christopher Wilde is listed first on the cast list, uh, Jessica's the main character. Actually, it's funny in the um in the trailer for this movie with that you know like all those Disney Channel trailers where that super annoying guy is like describing everything he's like their lives will change forever and i'm not good at impressions but then he goes like sterling knight brandon michael smith and introducing danielle campbell so the movie starts with this establishing shot of los angeles and the staple center while the the titular song plays starstruck there's sunglasses seven the magazine right that one you probably heard it before and we see Sterling Knight, who's actually Christopher Wilde, playing his guitar, singing on stage, Staples Center, sold-out crowd. Whoa! This was kind of a thing. Like, Hannah Montana, everyone loved that. So now people are like, oh, why don't we just make movies and shows about people who are famous fictionally? Like Christopher Wilde, like Austin Moon, like Liv Rooney. That was kind of a genre that kind of forged its way out at one point. Anyway, we cut over to Kalamazoo, Michigan, where we see... We meet Sarah Olsen, played by Maggie Castle, and we see Sarah is watching Christopher Wilde and his performance on TV. The performance we just saw at the Staples Center, she's watching that. So maybe it's some sort of like live stream to the TV or something or a clip. I don't know. She's watching it on their TV in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And then her little sister, Jessica, Jessica Olsen, walks out and stands in front of the TV to block her view and be annoying. And right off the hop, it is established that Jessica is fully not like other girls. Like, okay, some girls are not like other girls. Jessica Olsen is so not like other girls that she's not even like the girls who are not like other girls. They dig so far into this trope. That's her entire... That's that's her. That's who she is. That is her essence. That is her spirit. Not like other girls. And you know why? It's because she doesn't like Christopher Wilde. And everyone else is like, oh, he's so amazing. But she's like, oh, he's not even that good. Oh, he's probably a bad person. So then the parents come in. And uh, one of the parents, the mom is actually the mom from Dog with a Blog. Which uh, that show wouldn't start for another couple years. But I was like, oh, Dog with a Blog. Anyway. They're going to go to Los Angeles tomorrow, this family of four, to see Grandma. And Sarah is excited to be in the same city where Christopher Wilde lives, Los Angeles, California. And she thinks that Chris might pick her up at the airport because she's an original member of his fan club. And she texts him every day and stalks his blog. And she's delusional. And I think she's a parody. But how does she text him every day? Maybe I, it might be like a, an Instagram DM thing where like Chris never reads it. But I don't think there's any way she actually has his phone number. That's just that's impossible. Did Instagram even exist in 20? I don't think Instagram did exist. Uh, maybe she liked, I don't know, DM'd his Facebook page or something. That seems more realistic. Whatever. Pretty sure Sarah's a parody of obsessed fans. And Jessica wants to stay home because because I don't know why she wants to stay home. She just maybe doesn't want to spend time with Sarah obsessing over Chris. That's probably it. And meanwhile, Chris is still on TV saying things like, thanks for buying my records and coming to concerts. Best fans in the world. And Sarah's like, he's such an amazing person. 
And Jessica's like, he's not amazing. And Sarah's like, how dare? And Jessica's like, you don't know him. And Sarah's like, yes, I do. I know everything about him. All the, And I know what he does all the time. And she, she does this thing. It's like, I know where he surfs. And it's like, Malibu Beach. I know where he eats. And it shows like this this one like hamburger shop. It's like, I know where he parties. And it shows like the under 21 club, which is emphasized very strongly. This is an under 21 club where people under tw- the age of 21 go to drink no alcohol and have a good alcohol free time on the Disney Channel. Anyway, so we cut to Chris and, and Stubby, who's played by Brandon Michael Smith. And they're getting out of some fancy car at the under-21 club. And Stubby is like, oh, look who it is. When when he sees a new character, he's like, oh, look who it is. It's Christopher Wilde's girlfriend, the fantastic Alexis Bender. Thanks for the exposition, Brandon Michael Smith. Now we all know exactly who this person is, just like everybody else in this scenario did. It's Chelsea Staub who plays Alexis Bender, Disney Channel vet, Chelsea Staub, who now goes by Chelsea Kane. Uh, I don't remember if she got married and took her partner's last name. Don't know. But anyway, uh, Chelsea is a Disney Channel vet of Jonas, Jonas LA. I had one episode of Wizards of Waverly Place. And she's in this movie. And she's talking to Chris like, oh, you were going to sing my birthday tomorrow, right? He's like, oh, yeah. Oops, sorry, I forgot. But I promise I'll be there. And now, ooh, look who shows up. The paparazzi. Oh, no, not the paparazzi. Always following him around. And the reason that they're always following him around is, well, first of all, you know, to get pictures for the tabloids and stuff and, you know, the press and the the media. But the reason they always know exactly where he is, because he's always blogging. They say they say he's always blogging, so they always know exactly where he is. And so there's these shady fucking camera people dressed in black in these weird vans and they get out they like take pictures of chris and chris like back off back off back away cut back to michigan where sarah and her mean friend are selling tickets for a school dance at a a school hallway and jessica comes like oh can i get a ticket and sarah's like you're not invited because you can't dance but she's like oh i'm just gonna cover it for the school newspaper pause please what are you covering for a school paper at the dance. Like, okay, there must be nothing going on at this school. It's like, hmm, all right, time to write an expose on the dance. The fruit punch was an appropriate temperature. Uh, the music was a little too loud, especially when they played One Less Lonely Girl. Oh, and uh, Bobby and Jimmy hooked up in the locker room. End of article. Anyway, the mean friend, who is a terrible actor, an awful actor. I want to see who plays her. So, so I can see if she's done anything else. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if she's done nothing else. Because the mean girl in Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, whose name I don't remember, that actor, she never did anything else in her acting career besides that one movie. And it's because she was really bad. I don't For whatever reason, so why all the mean girls in DCOMs are always terrible actors. Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, Camp Rock, Megan Martin is a terrible actor. The only exception is High School Musical. Ashley Tisdale, of course, but I, I think maybe she used up like all the mean girl power in the Disney Channel universe because no other mean girls are good actors. Anyway, cast, starstruck, um, her her name is AJ in the movie, it's her character, and she's played by Abby Cobb, American actress and author. She's known for her recurring roles as Emma Bradford on 90210 and as Kamantha 
on Suburgatory. Uh, so she has been. Oh, she's been in things. Oh, she was. She was in uh, Good Luck Charlie. It's Christmas. Is Jordan? Oh man. Okay. Oh, and she was in Jonas in one episode as Jessica. But Good Luck Charlie's that girl Jordan, who was the the poor girl, or was she poor? Or was she just? I don't remember. But she stole, um, Petty and Amy's luggage, and then they became friends after. And she was actually like a pretty good actor in that movie, which came out like a year and a half later. So, I mean, I guess she just came a really long way from Starstruck to Good Luck Charlie's Christmas. Didn't even think of that. Wow, she's been in a lot of stuff. Two and a Half Men as Gabby in like an episode. Grey's Anatomy in an episode. Criminal Minds in an episode. Wow, NCIS. Okay, hmm, maybe. She, maybe that role just wasn't suited for her. The mean girl, AJ, who's unimportant to the plot. All right, I stand corrected for the time being. So the mean friend is like, are you bringing your camera to California to get more pictures for our Christopher Wilde scrapbook? I was, I, I wrote in my notes in italics, Lamau with two O's, pre-cell phone time still, kind of, with question marks. Because like people had cell phones, but I'm not sure, I don't have a gauge if it was the time where every picture you take was with your cell phone. I guess not. Because people still took cameras places to take pictures with them. That's the thing that actually comes up a little later on too. I mean, you know, going from talking about Disney Channel series cartoons that I've never seen before to a live action decom that I've seen a few times is like a total 180 in basically every way. Because this movie, at least in this little segment, like basically everything here can be made fun of a little bit. Like the the school paper covering the dance for the school paper and the bringing a camera to California thing. And here where Jessica's like, why are you so hung up on him? And Sarah's like, oh, you see what I have to live with AJ? So basically in this scrapbook, Sarah and AJ have mapped out Christopher Wilde's moves for the last 18 months that she can predict exactly where he's going to be any given moment. And she's like, all right, so that's why I'm going to meet him. Extremely freaky. Cut to Chris at a, meeting with his managers who are his parents and his parents are in fancy work clothes for their meeting and chris is in like normal clothes and oh look someone's at the door to talk about a fancy new career opportunity also it's implied that uh that chris's money is what paid for this massive ass house but that's that's not really extremely important at least not yet so basically this guy at the door alan mr smith wants to give chris a part in a movie but the other people at his company think chris is immature because of the paparazzi photos on magazines like the one from the other night where well i guess the last night which was where chris was like back up back up and it looks like he's crazy and it's like what's going on with christopher wilde and the dad gets kind of mad like Mr. Smith, you know that those tabloids manipulate those photos to make it look bad. And Alan Smith is like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But you're going to have to keep your face 100% out of the tabloids for the next, like, three days or so. Just stay home. Just stay home. you got to keep your face out of the magazines. Nothing good, nothing bad if you want a shot at this movie part. And Chris is like, uh, okay, I can do that. Can you, though? Can you do that, Chris? That's what we're going to see, if you can. Oh, look, now Jessica and Sarah and the fam are now in L.A. Because they've flown there. And they're at the car rental to rent a car. And Sarah wanted to 
to get a rent a car to drive around to find Chris. But there's a sign that says you have to be 25 to drive a rent a car. Fucking dumbass rule. Anyway, Sarah's mad about this. Jessica thinks it's kind of funny. The parents are like, why did you want a car so bad, Sarah? Sarah's like, uh, not to go find Christopher Wilde. It's because I wanted to take Jessica sightseeing, which is a lie. And so they get to Grandma's house. And Jessica's super happy to see Grandma. Grandma, Grandma, yay. Because they love each other dearly. And I mean, you know what? I, uh, why did she want to stay home like 10 minutes ago? She was like, can I please stay home and not go to L.A.? And now all of a sudden, you're super excited to see Grandma. Like, really? Okay, maybe that was just like a half joke. Like, oh, can I stay home? I don't want to spend time with her. But it seemed pretty serious for the fact that she's now extremely excited to see her beloved grandmother, who she hasn't seen in two years. And Grandma's also got uh, this new boyfriend because I guess Grandpa's passed away at some point. And Grandma's got a new boyfriend, Howie, who is extremely irrelevant. But he's there, Howie's there, chilling around. And Grandma has this this ugly-ass pink car. And Grandma's like, oh, take it for a spin, Sarah, if you like. And Howie's like, she runs like a top. And Sarah's like, yeah, a super ugly top you never want to be seeing. What the fuck? Keep it to yourself, Sarah. I fucking hate you. Like, even if, okay, this car, sure, you don't like it. It doesn't look nice. Who says that out loud? But Jessica, a second later, is like, so does that mean you'll be joining us for shuffleboard? Okay, that was kind of a credit where it's due because there was like a, a shuffleboard joke earlier about Sarah being like, I don't want to play shuffleboard with grandma. And like, I think like the setup for that joke with Sarah saying out loud, like, like, oh yeah, it's so ugly. I don't want to be seen in it. And Jessica for the punchline, will you be joining us for shuffleboard with grandma and Jessica just like hugging and loving each other? Like it was kind of worth it, but like they could have worked around that a little bit. Like Sarah could have just said some like, Oh, hmm, I don't know if I want to drive this car. And then Jessica's like, so you'll be joining us for shuffleboard then. That would have been funnier. That setup wouldn't have been as awful. So it's ambiguous, I think, whether Sarah actually does take that car out for a spin now. Because we flash right away, basically, to later that night. Where Sarah is begging Jessica to come with her to Alexis Bender's birthday party. Where Christopher is performing in the fancy LA Under-21 club because the only way mom and dad will let her go is if she takes Jessica with her as like, I don't know, a sister bonding thing and they can look out for each other. And Jessica's like, of course not. Why would I? I'm sick of Christopher Wilde and he's all you ever talk about. And Sarah's like, well, if you go with me and I meet Chris, then I'll stop talking about him for the rest of the trip. And Jessica's like, hmm, tempting offer, I'll do it. So they go in the pink car and they get to the under 21 club in downtown Los Angeles, two miners in a city that they know very little about. And Sarah parks in a no parking zone, gets out. It's like, all right, I'm going in. Jessica's like, this is no parking zone. Sarah's like, you sit behind the wheel. But Jessica doesn't have her license, so she doesn't want to. But Sarah's like, figure it out. So Jessica's there illegally sitting behind the wheel. While meanwhile, on like basically the other side of the street, Christopher Wilde and Stubby are in their car chatting like, uh, I don't know if this is a good idea. Stubby's like, you said you'd stay home and stay out of the press to get that super important movie role you really want. Should have stayed home at your parents' party. And first of all, 
Uh, Stubby lives with Chris, which is, uh, eh, I'll talk about that later. Chris is like, why do you want to party with my parents? And Stubby's like, are you kidding? The caterers from Argentina. There's going to be steak for dessert. Part of, ex- what? Ex- excuse me for a, s- stop right there. Um, so the caterers from Argentina, and therefore there's going to be steak for dessert. Ex- I'm taking a, a logic class this semester. And it seems, I'm not an expert yet, but it seems like this doesn't follow. It seems like this doesn't follow. The caterers from Argentina, therefore, there will be steak for dessert. Does Argentina have, like, special steaks or something? I don't know. I'm going to look this up. I'm going Argentina steaks. See if anything, or dessert steaks, um, Argentinian skirt steak, Argentine beef. Uh, looks like a thing that has a name at least. Oh, here's something on Forbes. What makes Argentine steak so renowned? This is interesting. This might answer my question. This article is more than eight years. This came out in November 2011. So about a year and a half after Starstruck. Just to get that situated in everyone's mind. Uh, oh, this was written by an Argentinian, Juan Videla. Because it says, for starters, we have our own cuts, and we like to separate the different types of meat by its texture and shape. So, for example, what you guys call T-bone, we actually divide into two different cuts, the boneless lomo and the small steak costaleta. So I guess, okay, now we know something. We know something new. And it's that Argentina does have nice special steaks or something. But anyway, Chris doesn't want to go home because he promised Alexis that he would sing at her birthday party and he's going to follow through on that promise. You know, uh, you know I'm going to, I feel like if I go on too long, I'm just going to forget to talk about how Stubby lives with them. So here, let's talk it now. All right. Uh, as they say, they've been friends since fourth grade. Cool. All right. And then Chris got super rich and famous by singing. And now Stubby, since they're such great friends, is like, you know what? I'm going to uh, live with you now in your massive house and you can pay for everything for me because I'm a great friend. And Chris is like, all right, sounds good. I don't know what Stubby's family life is like. If he was living with perfectly good parents and then it's like, I'm moving out, bye. Or maybe there's some more complicated stuff going on there. I don't know. Just maybe would have been nice to get an answer on that. A lot of unanswered questions in this movie. No contradictions really or plot holes really. Just unanswered questions. So Sarah's gotten out of the car, and she's, like, entering Club Under 21. Meanwhile, Christopher Wilde is, because he has to be undercover and hide from the paparazzi, he's walking behind the building through the back entrance that Stubby opened for him. And he's, like, he's wearing a hoodie, and he's wearing shades. And he gets on stage, and he sings a song called Shades. Like, and we're doing action. Yeah, I'm in my shades. Loki, a bop. And a metaphor. For, you know, hiding and being undercover and such. I must know, though. How did Sarah get into this club? Like, could anyone just walk in? Like, I don't know how clubs work. I guess that's how it works. That kind of thing, like, a club like this has never really appealed to me. Like, I suppose you just... Because it's under 21, so you can be any age. And... Or maybe you have to prove that you're under 21. You show your ID, like, yep, I'm 20 or younger. And Sarah, I think, is like... 16 17 supposed to be so she can come in and exist and just walk around and she's at the back and she's trying to work her way to the front she's like it's chris it's chris i gotta go see him i gotta go meet him while he's on stage 
and he's singing the song, I'm adapt to action. And then Brandon Michael Smith jumps on stage to rap the bridge, just like everyone did in 2010, rapping instead of like, you know, a bridge or a third verse or something. And he's a good rapper, Brandon Michael Smith. He was good in Let It Shine also, good in this movie. The So Random theme sounds great. That's him rapping also. And Jessica's still in her car. Not her car, her grandma's car. Sitting in the no parking zone. And we're thinking this whole time, like, oh, oh, like, is a cop going to approach her? I hope not. Hate cops. But that's not what happens. What happens is Jessica's got the radio on somehow. Maybe she has, like, the keys in the ignition or something. Or maybe you don't need that to have the radio on. I don't know. Some radio voice is, like, approaching the midnight hour. Pardon. Excuse me. Approaching the midnight hour. So we're, like, what time is it now? 11.45 p.m.? How are their parents allowing these children to be roaming the streets of foreign downtown Los Angeles approaching the midnight hour? That's not even the worst of it, because this night is not close to being finished. Jessica gets out of the car to, I guess, walk around and get some fresh air or look for Sarah. I don't know. Jessica gets out of the car, leaves it in the no parking zone, and meanwhile... Chris finishes his performance on stage and Chris is just he's gone just by the time Sarah wor- finally works her way to the front of the crowd Chris is gone he's gone backstage Jessica is crossing a bunch of downtown streets and walking around aimlessly looking for Sarah presumably and she finds her way to that back alley and boom here's that famous scene from the trailer if you haven't seen it Chris opens that back door because, you know, he's going out the back door because he's hiding. And meanwhile, Jessica was reaching out to open the door. And Chris hits Jessica with the door in the head. Oh, sorry, did I just hit you? No, the door hit me by itself. Boom, everyone's favorite enemies to lovers decom with an ambiguous age gap is underway. This is probably one of the most recognizable decom meeting scenes of all time. I don't know if I'm biased because of my age or something. Like, obviously, there's Troy and Gabriella. Um, ben and Mal is probably a big one, too. But I don't know. I feel like this one is extremely memorable. And it takes her, like, a solid 10 seconds to realize that he's Christopher Wilde. And she's like, wait, you're a Christopher... And she's like, shh. I'll give you free tickets to front row tickets to my next concert if you don't scream my name. She's like, I don't want to see your stupid concert. And Chris is like, all right, uh, I think I need to get you to a doctor, which I think is supposed to be a funny thing about like, oh, this girl doesn't like me. Oh, she must be sick. (laughs) But he's like, I need to bring you to a doctor because you might be concussed because I hit you very hard on the head with this metal door. And he's like, okay, come with me. Grab my hand. Come with me back to my car where I a boy you've never met before in a city you just appeared in I'm going to take you to a doctor personally approaching the midnight hour. And you, Jess Golson, whose name I don't know yet, by the way, are going to resist very little. Okay, okay, okay. I know you have to get them to continue this interaction somehow, but why is Chris who can't be seen in public, mustn't be seen in public, so suddenly empathetic that he wants to risk 
being seen in public further, like risk even more. Like you've already been risking it just by doing this back alleyway thing. And now you're like, okay, I'm going to stay out of my house even more just to take this girl to a doctor where she could just go by herself to a doctor. He could just be like, okay, uh, I've got to go, but you should definitely go see a doctor as soon as you possibly can. That's probably what would normally happen in a situation like unless, you know, oh, here's a here's a thing. Uh, there's no free healthcare in the United States. Maybe Chris is like, hmm, I can't just maybe this girl is poor and can't afford to go to a doctor. And I, with many, many, many dollars, can just take her there instead. That would be an option. But anyway, as they're walking to the car and Jessica's like, what about my sister, Sarah? Who's that? She's my sister. She's still in that club. And then that topic is like just gone for a second. And she gets in the car, super fancy, rich car, all frustrated and snippy. But Chris is like all googly eyes for her and stuff. Then Jessica barfs on Stubby shoes because he told her like she was like, oh, it'll feel good. Think I might vom. And Stubby's like, not in the car, please not in the super expensive car. So she turns because she's in the passenger passenger seat and Stubby's like standing next to the car and voms all over his fancy shoes. And then Chris, as they drive off, is like, make sure her sister Sarah gets home okay. What? Pardon? How is Stubby supposed to do that? And why couldn't it just be like, oh, you're with a sister? Uh, She should take you to a doctor. And how is Stubby supposed to know what Sarah looks like? He's just supposed to walk in like, Sarah, Sarah, this is... Okay, I talked about, like, there not really being contradictions in this movie. This one perplexes me a little bit because, you know, I'll get to it in a moment when, it, when it's more applicable. I will talk about it. I won't forget. Anyway, Chris takes Jessica to his brother-in-law, who's a doctor. And the doctor's like, oh, she doesn't have a concussion and she's okay, but she should ice it. And this is normal, you know, doctor session. And Chris's mom calls Chris to say, oh, uh, Mr. Smith has called and he wants to see you at our, at our house at our house party and i'm not sure if the parents are under the impression that like chris is in that house somewhere and they call him because they can't find him or something or if they know chris is out but either way chris is like all right i gotta get back to my house because mr smith can't know that i'm out of the house but the doctor whose name is sanjay i think is like uh i wouldn't recommend going out there there's paparazzi in my waiting room just ridiculous, just ridiculous that they would find him here. I don't know. I don't know, whatever. So what Chris does is he trades his super fancy car with Sanjay, and he gets Sanjay's low-end vehicle, which is low-end because, you know, school debt and stuff, six years of medical school. The engine backfires twice, and this was this is when Chris and Jessica like are, are big fighting, right? Like, ah... Oh, no, no, it's safe. I'm pretty sure it's not safe. And why are you so... Why do you have such an attitude? Oh, I'm fine. I'm not I'm not crabby. I'm looking forward to being grounded till I'm 30. I'm not crabby. I'm not defensive. Just take me home. Also, what time is it now? If we were approaching the midnight hour, when Jessica got out of the car, and now they've met each other, gone to the doctor, and are on their way home, it's probably, what, 12.30 now-ish? 1230 and if Jessica didn't want to be grounded as she puts it then 
I still don't understand why you got in the car with Chris. Like, there must have been a way to extend that interaction more than Jessica being like, oh, fine, I'll come with you to take me to a doctor. Unless it was just that bad, she was like, I must get to a doctor as soon as possible. I don't know. And Chris is like, yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. I'll take you home. We just have to make one teeny tiny stop. And it's his house because he has to be at his house to say hi to Mr. Smith. And Chris hides Jessica in their guest room because no one can see Jessica because it'll be like, oh, what's up with Jessica? What's up with this new girl? And Jessica does this funny thing where Chris is just like, stay. And Jessica's like, woof, which is pretty funny. Anyway, bunch of adults in suits at this party. Terrible vibes. Chris is walking around and mingling with all the grown-up guests. And he meets Alan's daughters, who are apparently big fans. And the daughter's like, can you sing us a song? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll do anything for my fans. And he goes to get his guitar. And the background party music turns off. And, um, if it's 1230, why are these girls still out? I don't know. And why are they at this party to begin with? Like. I don't know, just to meet Chris, but like you're staying up till 1230. I don't know. I don't know. And then anyway, whatever. Chris plays a song in front of everyone called Hero. This is most people's favorite song from the movie. I don't like it. It's probably like uh, fourth, fifth best. Yeah, fourth at absolute highest, probably fifth best song in the movie, in my opinion. And Jessica steps out of the guest room and watches him sing. And no one sees her because everyone's staring at Chris, I guess. It's like, oh, is she going to give him a chance to be a good person while watching him sing this genuine, heartfelt performance? Nope. Jessica leaves the room, finds her way to the garage. Chris finds her. He's like, pick a car. She's like, no. He's like, "Uh, okay, fine. We'll walk and arrive in like three days from now. And Jessica's like, fine. Drive me straight home and drop me off and go back to your home. And Chris opens a door to a silver car, one of his six cars, and Jessica, just to be confrontational, uh, opens the door to another car, a blue car, and gets in that one. And Chris is like, what's the purpose of that? Why are you doing that? Anyway, I want to I wanna take a minute here and just make it very clear that we don't like Chris. We don't like Christopher Wilde. And even though he seems nice and compassionate, the reason we don't like him is because he's rich. And we don't like rich people. We, here at Disney Channel Discourse, bully rich people. People who are rich should be ashamed of being rich. People who are rich should not be praised and propped up by the middle and lower classes. I don't like Chris. And that's why I have a hard time feeling bad for him when a paparazzi car, or truck, follows Chris as he's driving Jessica home. And he doesn't even notice the paparazzi car for a while. But Chris's, his own song comes on the radio while he's driving Jessica home. And it's probably the best song in the movie, Something About the Sunshine. He's like, and he's like singing along to his own song quietly, like, Something about the sunshine, baby, seeing you in a whole new light. Just to try to lighten the mood. And Jessica's like, wow, amazing. Wow, I can't believe I'm in the car with Christopher Wilde. A fan's dream come true. And he sing along to his own song. Except I'm not a fan. And they have this discussion that's supposed to be like a deep moment, I think. Where Chris is like, you don't like my music? And she's like, I like your music. I just don't like you. Way to go, Jessica. We don't like rich people. We don't like rich people. And Chris is like, but you don't know me. She's like, exactly. Anyway, they get home. Jessica gets out. But here's the thing. 
that paparazzi truck is not far behind. And when Chris sees them, he like sneaks out of the car and taps on Jessica's window. And it's like, I'll give you $5,000 to help me push the car into the garage and let me stay here overnight. And I want to, I kind of want to point out here that like, I like that there's a clear reason why Chris is avoiding the paparazzi. And it's not just like, oh, a uh, famous boy wants to not be in cameras all the time. And like, there's a direct reason that's like, oh, if I get press, I won't be able to be in this movie. Because they could have easily gone with like, oh, Chris just doesn't like to be in the spotlight all the time. And that's why he's avoiding the the cameras. But uh, there's a clear reason why. And I like that. And Jessica makes fun of Chris for being so paranoid. And Chris is like, no, no, you don't understand my life. And then there's this, like, sweet moment where Chris is like, is there anything in, like, those bins that I could wear so that they won't recognize me? And what he does, he takes a hat, and Jessica's like, oh, that was my grandpa's hat that he used to wear when we went fishing. And he was like, oh, no, no, you can keep it then. You can keep it again. Sorry about that. She's like, no, no, no. It looks good on you. Uh, okay. And then Chris is like, Jessica. And he grabs her arm. And she's like, stop doing that. You're, I know what you're doing. You're giving me those googly eyes and you're doing that look in your face to try to make me fall in love with you. And it works on everyone else, but it's not going to work with me. And Chris is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, next morning, breakfast. Everyone's sitting at the breakfast table. Sarah's tired. Jessica's tired from their late night out. And I guess the parents didn't know how late out they were. Because they got off scot-free, I guess. No trouble or anything. They're eating, I think, like pancakes or something. And someone asks, like, oh, is there any more syrup? We're out, we're out of syrup. The bottle's empty. And Grandma's like, oh, yeah, there's there's some more on the shelf in the garage. And Sarah's like, oh, I'll go get it. One, two, three. No, I'll go get it, says Jessica. I really like that little pause. Because she's like tired, just kind of woke up. And it's just this such a normal thing. Sarah's like, oh, I'll go to the garage and get the syrup. And Jessica like takes a minute to realize, wait a second. There's a very famous person in that garage. No one else can see. And so Jessica runs after Sarah like, no, Sarah, it's okay. You go sit down. I'll get the syrup. And Sarah's so mad at her. Like, why don't you tell me about your cab ride last night? Ugh, Stubby told me you took a cab home. Okay, this is what I was going to talk about before that I'm going to talk about now. Because I'm confused. Does Sarah know that Stubby is Christopher Wilde's best friend? You'd think that she would. From stalking him all the time and knowing every detail about him, you'd think that she would know the guy who lives with him and is his best friend would recognize his face, know his name. So, am I to believe that Stubby entered that under-21 club last night after Chris drove off with Jessica? Started young Sarah, Sarah, are you Jessica's sister? Jessica's sister, Sarah? And Sarah's like, oh, yep, that's me. And Stubby said, yeah, um, and Stubby didn't want to say that, like, oh, yeah, she drove off with Chris because then it could be this whole, like, you know, frenzy situation of, like, oh, Christopher Wilde. And he knows that he's not supposed to be drawing attention to Chris. He doesn't know that. Sarah is a crazed fan, but he could probably assume that she probably is because many people are. 
So he lies and says, yeah, uh, your sister took a cab home. And Sarah is upset and drives home in the car without realizing, first of all, who Stubby is. You'd think she would know who Stubby is. Second, if she doesn't know who Stubby is, how does Stubby know my sister? How does this man I've never seen before, this child, I guess, this person, know my sister? Did Jessica just see someone random and be like, hey, go find my sister Sarah and tell them I'm taking a cab home. Bye. But all that, that, that exists with the premise that Sarah doesn't know who Stubby is. And I just, that doesn't seem to track for me. So I, I said no contradictions, no plot holes. There's one. There's one. Sarah should know who Stubby is, but apparently doesn't. So anyway, Sarah's opening the garage door with the remote. And Jessica keeps grabbing it and closing it. And it's like, open, close, open, close. And Dad comes out. It's like, stop fighting, girls. And grabs the remote and opens it. And the door's opening. <gasps> and Chris is gone. Phew. Chris is gone. And they go back inside the house. And Grandma's like, oh, Sarah, there's a story on TV about that boy you like. And there's a story on TV about Chris. And it's like, Christopher Wilde arrived in secret to sing at Alexis's birthday yesterday and then reappeared at his house with another girl. Oh. And Jessica's like, oh, you shouldn't be watching that. Uh, it's all fake. Uh, you know, they lie on, and I care about the truth. And they're fighting over the remote. And Grandma's like, stop fighting, girls. How about you two go to the beach together and chill and have a beach day? Beach day in L.A. Woo! So that's a, an abrupt way to get them to go to the beach. So Sarah drives them in the pink car to Malibu because that's where Christopher Wilde surfs. Sarah's like, I wonder what his eyes look like up close as they're like walking at the beach. And Jessica's like, blue, really blue. What the fuck? Why would you say that? It's just, I know maybe you're trying to change that like, oh, she thinks he's cute. But on the other hand, uh, she wouldn't say this out loud. With Sarah standing right there. No way. So right when they get to the beach. Sarah turns left. And walks down in some direction. Jessica meanwhile. Walks straight forward. And sees grandpa's fishing hat. And is like oh. That's Chris. Sitting right there in front of us. So I'm going to go. Sit in that chair, that empty seat conveniently placed right next to Chris and be like, excuse me, is this seat taken? No? All right, thanks. What a beautiful day. Oh, were you sleeping? No? You're awake? Okay. Could you put some sunscreen on my back? And Chris was like acting all Heidi and shit, like, you know, pulling up his, his sweater and pulling down his hat because he didn't realize it was her right away. I just find it ridiculous that Sarah's main goal here is to find Christopher Wilde and he was right there, and she just turned and walked away. And Jessica just, like, saw him and was like, all right, here I go. Like, Sarah ran off to go look for Chris. Meanwhile, Jessica sees him right there and goes to sit next to him, and Sarah's just off elsewhere. Like, Sarah's not even looking back like, oh, who are you talking to, little sister? Who are you sitting next to? Whatever, whatever. Apparently, I was thinking as this was happening, like, wait a second, why is Chris at the beach? Isn't he supposed to be home? And apparently he tried to go home, but there were like 10 paparazzi trucks parked outside his house with cameras. So he like turned around and was like, well, I can't go home now. And that's why he went to the beach. Really? 
a beach, a public beach, not somewhere a little more hidey. I don't know. Jessica's like, oh, that is tough. Just kidding. Lol. And he's like, see, you don't understand. Jessica is the queen. No empathy for the rich. But Chris doesn't want to get back into his car because they recognize his car. And they're going to follow him in that car. And he's like, oh, what if he like made a trade and I could just take whatever car you have? And Jessica kind of gets mad, like, stop doing that. Stop throwing your money around. You still owe me $5,000, by the way. So Jessica's like, yeah, okay, we'll do that trade, though. I would like that to have, to own that rich car. Not a rich, wow, a rich car. The expensive car is what I meant to say. So they trade keys. And Chris is like, take good care of Cher. I love Cher. Jessica's like, oh, you name your cars. Anyway, Jessica sneaks up behind Sarah who is now lying down with her sunglasses on, on this beach chair. I thought you were here with a goal, Sarah. I thought you were going to look for Chris and you wouldn't rest until you found him. But I guess not. I guess you're just lying down in this chair, resting at the beach, listening to Christopher Wilde on your iPod Nano. Whatever. So Jessica switches the keys. Jessica and Chris are headed out to the parking lot. Where Jessica's like, meet Petunia. Jessica like just made fun of Chris for naming his car Cher. And now, I guess maybe she has a joke. is like, here, we're naming this car Petunia. She runs like a top. Which is a funny callback to what happened earlier. And this is the first time that I actually noticed that callback. But now, oh look. Oh no, paparazzi are here. Paparazzi incoming. Chris like, how do they know where to find me? And Jessica's like, my sister knows where to find find you. And she's from Kalamazoo. I like... I, I like the style of humor where they're making fun of their own story devices. Like, like they're in the boardroom, like, oh, we need the paparazzi to follow him around everywhere. And to do that, we need them to always know where he is. And how about for them to always know where he is? He always blogs about it, but he doesn't realize that that's like a flaw in his lifestyle. Like they're making fun of their own, their own devices. Like Chris doesn't realize the paparazzi knows where to find him because he always and also not just the blog but like he always goes to the same places and everyone around him is like why are you always going to the same places because that's where they find you and he's like oh just doesn't answer the question so the paparazzi get out of their trucks and look for him and he's like Jessica put these shades on get in the car and he knocks her with the door again which is i think is supposed to be funny this time he's like just get in get in get in put your head down put your head down put this uh, put this scarf on that he found in the glove compartment. Put this and hide and duck down. And the paparazzi don't recognize him with his hat and his face all bunched upward. And they escape. Yay! The paparazzi are all confused because they can't find him. And they're chatting. They're bantering. She's like, You drive like my grandpa. And he's like, You look like my grandma with your scarf. Ha ha ha. Giggles, giggles. You know, I might keep her sunglasses, Chris. Oh, maybe I'll give them to you, Jessica. <gasps> really? Would you do that? My friends won't believe that Christopher Wilde gave me his own sunglasses that he wore. And she's making fun of him. And it's like, ha ha ha, they're starting to like each other and get along. And Chris is like, let's do something. Until the paparazzi leave the beach. As if the paparazzi is like one big non-personal blob. Like the media or something. And Chris like, okay, Chris. I know you don't get to just chill and be normal that often. But isn't this the perfect opportunity to go back to your house and go inside of it and stay there like you wanted to do instead of gallivanting around Los Angeles just waiting for the paparazzi to come find you? Isn't Wouldn't that be the smart thing to do? Yes, it would, but you're, you're not doing the smart thing. What you're going to do is... Be 
Jessica's tour guide in LA. And now, okay, this is where something about the sunshine plays, which is the best song in the movie. And it's like, it's a montage. It's a montage. And this is everyone's favorite montage ever. This one, people make fun of montages for like just making time pass quickly or moving the story along quickly or whatever. And usually montages are not that interesting. This montage is uh, one of the highlights of the movie. Greatest song, first of all. The two main characters enjoying each other's company for the first time. And there are these like these time lapses of like people walking around in downtown LA. Like authentic street life. I'm pretty sure these are actual real shots with not hired extras and actual people. And it was just like, you know, Sterling and Danielle walking around, having a good time. People filming them, just chilling, having fun. And then there's the um, iconic like moment that was in the trailer, I think, where Jessica and Chris take that picture in front of the Hollywood sign. But it's like they've got their camera and she this is not a cell phone. It's an actual camera. And she flips it around. So they do a like a selfie. But, you know, like they she snaps the picture and it kind of like does the, you know, I don't even know how to describe it, but the camera thing where it's like, oh, look, now you see the picture that they took, but it's not the picture they took. It's a picture of them taking the picture, and it's pretty funny. Anyway, something about the sunshine. Uh, it's a good song, but like the bridge sucks, which sucks, but whatever. Then what I love about this scene is when it's done and they're back in the car and something about the sunshine is now playing on the radio, like the last chorus, and the two actual singers of the track are not Sterling and Danielle. I think Sterling does all the other Christopher Wilde songs except this one. But here it's the two different people whose names I don't know. And what I love about it is Danielle and Sterling are doing live vocals driving in the car over the studio recording. It's fucking awesome. And and they're so happy, having the greatest time. And Jessica's like, what a perfect day. What caused this mood swing? I don't know. But oh no, paparazzi's here now. It's almost like you should have just gone straight home if you wanted to avoid them, Christopher, instead of just having a good time. Anyways, Jessica takes out this map, map very old-fashioned. A lot can change in 10 years. She takes out a map, and she's like, all right, I'll take the next left to lose those vans. And they go down some dingy pathway, and they do lose the vans. The vans just keep driving forward somehow. I don't know how that works, but they lose the vans. And she's like, all right, it'll loop back to the highway. And it didn't loop back to the highway because Jessica can't read maps. Because of course she can't read a map because Danielle Campbell is 14 years old and her character is probably like 15, maybe. Anyway, they start arguing. Chris gets mad at her for the first time, basically, for being a know-it-all and being the queen of snap judgments. And they're fighting like an old married couple, which is pretty funny. They've known each other for under a day. And they already, like, it seems they have known each other for a very long time calling each other things like the queen of snap judgments and while they're arguing as they drive along this pathway and get lost while they're arguing petunia the car gets stuck in some 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 quicksand classic disney channel quicksand and so they climb onto the roof of the car and they climb onto a branch and they fall into the mud water and climb out safely, and the car slowly, slowly sinks into the quicksand and drops into nothingness and disappears. There goes the movie budget. That's what they use it on. 
Camp Rock 2 used their budget to flip over a giant truck into the water. Starstruck used their budget of, I'm not sure how much, to drown a car. And let's go see. Let's go see what Starstruck's budget is. Starstruck DCOM budget. Tippity tap, tippity tap. Um, I don't see anywhere. Uh, maybe it's on the Wikipedia page. I don't know. Uh, plot, cat production. Uh, nothing. Don't see any info about the budget for this movie. Whatever. I'm sure it was not that high. Maybe it was relatively high. I don't know. For Because they did stuff in LA, you know. They were on a beach. and But on the other hand, I can't tell if they actually hired extras or something. Whatever. Whatever. I, I'd estimate like maybe one and a half million. I don't know. I don't know. So Danielle Campbell does a pretty good job up until this point in this movie. But then she delivers the line like, you killed Petunia. Like it kind of looks like she's about to laugh. Which is kind of an oopsie. But anyway, she starts being like, oh no, my backpack. No, my, my parents are going to kill me. Answer your phone, Chris. Because Chris's phone is ringing. And overall, though, like, besides the You Killed Petunia line, Daniel, like, does the angry really well. And Chris's parents have called him, but he can't hear hear them, and they can't hear him because there's no connection, because they're in the middle of nowhere. There's no signal. But we see them saying, like, we're worried. Come home. We don't know where you are. And Jessica finds her backpack somehow in, like, the mud swamp. She's like, I'm going back to the beach, where Sarah's freaking out, I bet. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, Sarah, maybe she's freaking out, but she was also freaking out even if you didn't accidentally drown your car. Like, you were just having a grand old time walking around L.A. all day with this guy, and you, you're you maybe Sarah was freaking out that whole time as well. So you don't get to pretend to care that Sarah's freaking out now just because now you're also freaking out. And she starts walking back to the beach, and Chris is like, uh... The beach is that way, Jessica. This is usually like a trope of uh, a man who thinks he doesn't need help with directions. But now it's Jessica. So I don't know if I like that subversion, but it's a subversion anyway. And they don't make it clear how far away they've gotten from the beach. But like before this moment, I would have guessed they're like at least a five hour walk away at this point. But I guess not. Maybe they looped back around and now they're closer, but... Apparently, I thought, I, wait, 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 wait a second. I thought y'all didn't know where you were. And now Chris is like, the beach is that way? Okay. Well, if you're so good with knowing exactly where everything is, why didn't you just drive the right direction and depend on terrible navigator, quote unquote, Jessica Olsen? Whatever. Flashback to Sarah, who's not freaking out, actually. Totally calm. Not at all worried about where Jessica is. About to head back to her car to presumably leave the beach and go back home without seeing or knowing where Jessica is. Walks back to the parking lot, goes click click, tries to open the door. Doesn't think like, hmm, these aren't my normal keys. Just goes click click to open the door and sees Chris's car. And is like, what? That's not my car. But I just unlocked it with my keys that don't look like my keys at all. And she opens the door and sees Christopher Wilde's, not not driver's license, hopefully not his driver's license because he was just driving around without it if that's his driver's license, but sees like the car registration, I think, with his face on it. And it's like, am I being punked? Kind of like Ryan Evans in High School Musical. I thought punked was done by 2010, but whatever. Anyway, 
Jessica and Chris are walking around, walking back to the beach in their sloppy, muddy clothes. Jessica's like, I just want to get home to my family and suffer the consequences of my actions. And Chris is like, you know, I just want to have fun because I'm having a great time with no fans or media. So why don't you just shut up and stop annoying me so I can enjoy this great time I'm having. And Jessica's like, oh, look at you go. Throwing a big tantrum and running away. I bet all your other friends run after you and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, Chris. Not me, though, because I'm not your friend. And Chris is like, I've been so nice to you. Why are you so mean to me? And Jessica's like, you hit me with two doors and hid me in your guest room and wrecked my grandma's car. Not that nice. And so we've gone from Jessica hates Chris to now they both kind of like each other to now they both hate each other. And there has been very little pivot time in between. Nothing gradual. Turns on a dime when we've had like two so far. Here comes the third one. Not quite yet. I, yeah, pretty much already. When when they're arguing and Jessica yells at him about how his life is fake and his best friend is his personal driver and he has people working for him and Chris is walking backwards and he falls into the lake. Oh no, ah! And then he yanks her into a lake. Like, ha 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 ha! And Jessica's like, I can't swim. Ha ha ha! Just kidding. Splishy splashy. Wait, we like each other again? What? Now we're just chilling by a tree? Saying things like, oh, this is nice and pleasant, isn't it? Just turn right like that. We were having a massive fight. And now you yank me into a lake and we're having fun again. Okay. People have complained about like the sudden mood swings. Like, I hate you. I like you. And how they're illogical. And they've asked, like, is Jessica bipolar? Uh, I'm not in a position to say. But I don't think she has to be. I think I've kind of makes sense like because chris loves being challenged and jessica loves challenging him not sure if this dynamic works out in the long term but it's it's fun for a few days i get i guess it's refreshing for both of them and they have this heart to heart by the tree about how chris's parents are pressuring him about the movie and jessica's like oh you sure you want to do your movie enter tour all at once and Chris is like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to disappoint anyone. I don't really have a choice. It's like, yes, you do. You have a choice. Chris is like, but I, you know what? Let's not talk about that. I like chilling with you. We can just be ourselves. And Jessica's like, you're doing it again. That thing with your eyes, your googly eyes. And this whole time, there's like this awkward, soft guitar, flirty music. And they're like kind of flirting like, oh, you like me. Oh, you wish. Shove on the shoulder. And then they get up to continue walking. And they start holding hands. Wah, they're holding hands. Meanwhile, Sarah shows up at Chris's house and sees Stubby, who's like, oh, this isn't good. Oh, Sarah. Oh, okay. Okay, so you get into this car that isn't yours. You drive it to Christopher Wilde's house. Maybe you knew where Christopher Wilde lived. In which case, I don't understand why you, being the stalker that you are, didn't drive there immediately instead of going to the beach first. So, what's implied is... Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, what ha I think his address was on... Yeah, definitely. Christopher Wilde's address was on the vehicle registration, and so she drove to Christopher Wilde's address to look for Christopher Wilde. But I wish they dove more 
into Sarah and be like, where's Chris? Where's Chris? Why isn't he here? Doesn't he live here? And instead of her just, you know, just walking in and like looking around like, wow, what a big house and stuff. You'd be like, "Uh uh-oh. And then they never revisit that again. Anyway, we're back to Chris and Jessica who have made their way to the beach after walking for I don't know how long with the exact same guitar music that was just playing. And Chris says, you're not like other girls. You you say things to me that no one else says, and you, you make me see myself in new ways. And it's like, you're amazing. You're amazing. And they both think they're amazing. And they're about to kiss. But then Chris sees surfers and puts on the hat and hides, and the surfers don't even look in his direction. And they don't go back to their romantic pursuits. Chris is just like, uh, this thing we have, uh, this ends here. By the way, uh, you can't tell anyone about this. Not even your family, not even your parents. Because it'll get crazy if the cameras see us together. Because I'm Christopher Wilde. I'm famous. You're just an ordinary girl. <laughs> Jessica's all hurt. They fight again. It's like the fourth turn in a dime that we've had in the past, I don't know, half hour. And they fight again. And she's about to walk off, storm off. And Chris is like, Jessica... Can I have your camera? By the way, uh, since you took a bunch of pictures and I wouldn't want them to uh, to get out. So Jessica takes out the camera, throws it at his feet. She's like, I wouldn't want to remember this anyway. She asks, she asks him for cab money and he gives her too much money. And she's like, this is way too much. And he's like, oh, you know, I stayed in your garage. So there's that, that money, I guess. And Chris is like, I don't want to say goodbye like this, Jessica. Jessica's like, well, how about this? I fucking hate you and I'll never talk to you again. That's exactly what she says in those exact words on the Disney Channel. Um, I am not paraphrasing or anything. Chris is like, Jessica, please calm down. Paparazzi will ruin everything. And Jessica's like, you already did. Ooh. So Jessica cries in a phone booth. Can't blame her. What a roller coaster that must have been. Can't blame her. In that situation, I'd probably do the same thing. I'd probably go hide in a phone booth and cry, to be totally honest, if that happened to me. But what I don't like here is Chris... While Jessica is crying in the phone booth, gets surrounded by a bunch of other fans, a bunch of other people, and is gladly just chilling, taking pictures of them. What happened to hiding? Don't you want to get back into your... Wait, no, you don't have a car. Oh, ooh, I just discovered something. Oh, wait a second. They lost Petunia. Petunia's just cooked, drowned. And Sarah took Chris's actual car. So Chris is just carless at the beach. Okay, wow. I'm discovering new things. Mitchell, I love when this happens. And they gloss. So this is where, this is the point. of Okay, because a lot of DCOMs, all DCOMs pretty much, or the vast majority of at least the ones I've seen so far, the 35, 36 or so that I've seen so far, will fall into one or two categories. Category one, 80% of the action happens in the last 15 minutes. Of like a specific event that we've all been building towards. And that's where everything comes to fruition. That's kind of like the high school musical formula. And the other formula is a great movie. Until we have about 20 minutes left. And we can't quite figure out how to wrap it up nicely. And that's what happened with Starstruck. There was a lot to explore. This is a short decom. This is like an hour 20-ish. This is a short movie. And I think the longest decoms are like an hour 50-ish. I think Descendants 3 was like about an hour 50. 
you could have easily pushed this movie, Starstruck, to an hour 40 without it seeming too long. Because there's so much you don't dive into. One of them was Stubby talking to Sarah at the club. One of them was how Chris gets home without a car here. Because what they just do is they cut ahead, like, I don't know, the next day, the day after, to Chris recording Hero in a recording studio with his band, with a montage of, like, Jessica being all sad and getting up from her family dinner and walking away and listening to something with her earbuds, probably a Chris Wilde song. And Chris and Stubby are, like, having a heart-to-heart in the studio while he's looking at all the pictures of him with Jessica, including the one that's a picture of them taking a selfie. And he's like, I can't stop thinking about her. And Stubby's like, same. She threw up on my shoes. And Alexis Bender comes in, overhears him, showering this girl with compliments, and is like, I don't know who she is, and I don't want to know. Is she more famous? Why'd you pick her? Chris is like, uh, it just happened. And she's like, honey, that only happens in the movies. This is real life. Uh, I is this, this is a meta joke, I think. I tried to make a meta joke. This is like level one meta. I mean, after watching so much Phineas and Ferb, this is like a low level meta that I can't really get too excited about. But anyway, Alexis gets a text. It's like, oh, I have a date with Zach. And she breaks up with Chris. I don't know who Zach is, but but Chris and Alexis are broken up now. Uh, I like that it was so easy. And I like that really the only reason Alexis is in this movie is for Chris to have to go out of the house and maintain that promise. Because when you think about it, like, okay, of course he wouldn't have met Jessica that first time if he hadn't had to go to Alexis' birth- Alexis's birthday party. But this is where now, what, almost a full day later, if he had just not gone to Alexis' birthday party, stayed in the house, then he just stays in the house. He went, goes to Alexis' party, meets Jessica, takes her to the doctor, has to stop at his house on the way to necessarily take her to her house. Paparazzi follow him. He has to stay in their garage overnight, and now he can't go back into his house, so he has to go to the beach, and he drives around all day. This is almost a day later he couldn't get back into his own house just from leaving last night. And I'm, I just thought of this too. I keep on thinking of new things because maybe this movie is more complicated than I originally thought. But like, why when like the first when Chris took Jessica to her house last to his house last night, why couldn't he have been like? Because apparently he has a ton of people working for him to ask one of them, "Hey, uh, can you take this girl back to her house?" Like that would have been probably the smart thing to do. Anyway, Jessica and Sarah and the family are heading home. Bye, Sarah. Love you. Bye, Barbara. Don't worry about me and Howard. Bye. Then Jessica is saying her goodbye to Grandma. And Grandma is like, I know you're super sad, honey. But don't worry. Things will work out. Things work out in life. Pardon? What? Does Grandma know about the Chris stuff? I guess she explained the, the car disappearance somehow. But like, what? What? Did you come with a lie or something? How is Sarah back here? What happened there? This movie... This is where they should have made the movie longer. Explain how Sarah gets back home. If you don't want to explain how Sarah gets back home, then don't send her to Chris's house in the first place. Explain how how Grandma gets Petunia's disappearance explained to her. And if Jessica like tells Grandma about Chris Wilde, and, like, tells her the truth about the car, but then tells the parents a different story. Like, missing information. Missing information. 
And if and if your movie's like two hours long, I can understand if you gloss over some stuff. Like in Hamilton, that's like two and a half hours long. I you gloss over some stuff. I understand. This movie's an hour twenty. You had time to expand. Did you have the budget to shoot more scenes? I mean, the fact that you don't have more scenes implies no. But you're ugh, frustrating, frustrating. I would you know, I was thinking like like could some of these DCOMs be remade? Like I know a lot of the times successful movies get remade. Unsuccessful movies are the ones that should be remade. Oh, it sucked the first time. Let's try again. Starstruck, it doesn't suck. I, I'm i a fan of this movie. I think it's fair to say. I like it, but there was so much... There was a much higher ceiling for it. And they made it too short. They made it too short and they left important stuff out. Anyway, Mr. Smith, Alan Smith, movie man, has pictures of Jessica. And he's showing them to Chris over like a video conference. And it's like, I guess my colleagues were right, Chris. You are too immature. And Chris is like, how do I fix this? I can fix this. And Mr. Smith is like, oh, you have to make the story go away. They're making up this story about you and this girl, Jessica Olsen, who I have no idea how the paparazzi... Sure, you take pictures of her. I understand. How do you know her name? I don't know. That's just a question mark. And Mr. Smith is like, you have to make this story go away by telling the press that she was just some crazed fan following you around and make it go away. Otherwise, you won't get to be in this movie. This one seems like a fucking stretch. Okay, one minute. Alright, wouldn't most movies be totally open to having this guy whose face is in the press a lot? Like, if it isn't, like, extremely problematic stuff, if it's just like, oh yeah, I was hanging out with a girl. Why is that make or break for the movie role? I don't know. But Chris lies. He does what Alan tells him to do. Like, oh yeah, lots of fans come to Malibu to see me. Uh, maybe I signed an autograph for her or something. Meanwhile... Back in Kalamazoo, Michigan, paparazzi on their lawn. This is this does this happen? I don't know. I've never been a famous person. I've never hung out with an extremely famous person. Will paparazzi be on my lawn if I do? I don't think so. And the parents are like, Jessica, what happened out there in California? She's like, nothing bad. Just trust me. So I guess she didn't tell them about the Chris situation. Guess maybe she just told Grandma and was like, Grandma, don't tell my parents. And since Grandma's super cool and maybe the best character, she was like, yeah, all right, I won't tell him. Secret is safe with me. And Sarah runs in and is like, Christopher Wilde is talking about you, Jessica, on TV. And Chris is like, oh, yeah, I don't know, Jessica Olsen. Never met her before. And Jessica's appalled by the lies. And Sarah and the parents are like, what? Pardon? Why is he talking about you? And Sarah is so mad that the paparazzi are blocking her car. And, okay, this is where the movie kind of, like, falls off the cliff a little bit. And it's like, oh, how do we end? How do we end? I don't know how to end. Because it really does feel, like, out of touch from the rest of the movie. I'm kind of I'm running long with this episode, running pretty long. So I'll wrap it up pretty quickly. Jessica's like, I don't want to deal with this paparazzi. Chris is famous, but I'm not, so I don't have to deal with this. So she goes out onto her porch, and the paparazzi all rush to her to door and be like, Jessica, Jessica. And it's the exact same woman who was just interviewing Chris on TV in L.A., 30 seconds ago. I don't know if that was exactly live or if it was like a delayed broadcast or something, but the way Sarah was like, he's talking about you, made it sound like it was live. So they leave this one woman for every like media thing to be like interviewing Chris, to be the paparazzi up in Jessica's face, same person. And she tells them off. She's like, you don't want the truth. You want a story. You want to sell magazines and shit and turn people into products. You fucking assholes who steal privacy and honesty from children. You monsters. You should be a shame. You shameful monsters. And uh, she does that while about to cry. And 
in a much more decom fashion, but I like mine better personally. That would be another really fun thing, remaking decoms, but allowing swearing in like appropriate locations, and even just like getting rid of you know the censor stuff, like the under twenty one stuff, just making it a little bit more like an actual movie would be fun. Anyway, media woman is like, did you get that on camera? Jessica, another question: Who's Christopher Wilde really? And she's like, I don't know who he is. I've never met the Chris that you're obsessed with. I don't want to want to. Cut back to Chris and Stubby, who have the best scene in the movie. Because they're watching Jessica make this proclamation on TV. Stubby's like, I thought you liked her because she was honest. And now you got her to lie for you? Well, I'm leaving, Chris. I'm getting up and I'm leaving. I'm walking out of the room to go find my best friend. Because he is not the guy sitting next to me right now. Lately, your answer to everything has been, I didn't have a choice. Been your answer to everything. Your life, your choice. What do you want? Tell him, Stubby. Tell him, Stubby. I know it's easier for Chris, because he's rich, but everyone must and shall take the reins on their own lives. And I don't want to be misinterpreted. I don't want to spread any toxic individualism, but you mustn't run around trying to please other people and prioritizing other people over yourself. That doesn't mean that if you're taken care of, you shouldn't move on to caring for others. That is definitely what you should do. But you can't let yourself be manipulated by others. And Stubby gets that. And Stubby sets Chris straight. And Chris goes to Mr. Smith and says, I don't want to do the movie. If I have to lie to be in your little club, I'll pass. No fanfare. No, no big scene. Doesn't throw a fit or anything. He just says, thanks for the opportunity. I don't want to do it. Drops the truth and immediately leaves. That's maturity. Chris is all proud of himself. He goes to his parents who are sitting on chairs by the pool, scheduling his entire life on laptops. And Chris shuts their laptops and says, I don't want to do the movie. And the dad's like, we're about to make the deal. And he's like, I, I already passed. And mom's like, that's not your decision. Fucking yes, it is. I just want to do music. So mom and dad, you're fired. Just be mom and dad. Don't be my managers or agents or something. And Chris, Chris walks away. You know what, you know what Chris? You know what? You quit the movie, told off your parents. This is a great start, Chris. Self-discovery. Great start. Next step, time to redistribute your wealth. He doesn't redistribute his wealth. What happens is we cut to Jessica trying on dresses in front of Sarah and the mean friend AJ for the dance. Remember that? The dance? Cover for the newspaper? Jessica overhears uh, the mean friend AJ yelling about, Jessica's so pathetic for making up that story about meeting Chris. And it's obvious that AJ wanted Jessica to hear that. So Sarah, who's like all of a sudden being nice, is like, AJ, you're an idiot. Get out of my house. And Sarah goes to make Jessica feel better. It's like, come to the dance with me, Jessica. Let's make you pretty enough to be my sister. You know what I just noticed? Not just, but just this most recent time when I was watching the movie. This is the Trina and Tori relationship. How did I never notice? From Victorious. The older sister and the younger sister. The older one who no one likes, and the younger one who everyone likes, and the older one who thinks she, she's great and better than the little sister, but the little sister who we're supposed to believe as the audience actually is much better. This Tori and Trina, no, which one came first? Yeah, Tori and Trina came first, Is was the model for Sarah and Jessica of Starstruck. Look at that, everyone copying each other. Way to go. Come up with some new ideas, please. So they're at the dance, and Jessica's self-conscious that everyone's looking at her for the Chris stuff. You know what, Jessica? I don't think you should be self-conscious because aren't you here to just cover it for the school newspaper? 
They don't mention that at all. It seems like she's just a normal dance partygoer. But whatever. She's not taking notes on a notepad or anything. Chris walks out on stage. Christopher Wilde, who's now in Kalamazoo, Michigan, who flew here, probably on his private jet or something, like, Jessica Olsen, there's some things I forgot to say to you back in California. Ooh. Oh no, he's singing a fucking song. No. It's called it's called What You Mean to Me, and it's the worst song in the movie by far. There are these like these dissonances with like the five chord, but the tonic note and the melody. Not gonna explain the music theory, but just it sounds bad. Is the basic of it. And he gets off stage while he's singing, or when he's done singing, and walks over to Jessica. And Jessica's like, You thought you could just come and sing to me and everything would be fine? Chris is like, Yes. No? No. Jessica's like, which is it? Total silence in the room as everybody is staring at at the two most important people in this cinematic universe. Like, really? Silence? Really? No one freaking out? Not even some mumbling? And also, how did he find out where Jessica goes to school? Probably, probably like, search for her on Facebook. Fucking creep. Anyway, paparazzi woman shows up. Same woman. Gets in his face. Sticks the microphone in his face. Chris is like, I lied. I know Jessica Olsen. She understands me like no one else. And I'm crazy for her. You've known her for, like, under 72 hours. Ridiculous. Anyway, this hour and 20 movie ends with Chris and Jessica about to kiss, but they don't. Because there's a six-year age difference between the actors. But also because Sarah comes running to them like, (gasps) And Chris is like, Sarah, I want to dance. And she faints. How does Sarah also, like, you would think Sarah would disown Jessica after this? Like, how, I don't know. I'm running along, but like, wouldn't wouldn't Sarah be super pissed at Jessica for like, keeping this secret from her? Like, I would expect that to happen. Anyway, whatever. Chris asks Jessica on a date. Do we have to wear disguises? No. Then yeah. And he gives her his sunglasses. And he puts on a pair. And they dance with sunglasses. While Brandon Michael Smith raps Party Up. Which is a... It's pretty good. Pretty good song. I don't remember the words. But that's the that's the rhythm of it. And for some reason, I think it would have been way cooler though. To have the ending song be Shades. While they're like dancing in the shades. And like this cool like oh yeah disguise. Ha ha ha. Isn't that quirky? It's like a thing. And they're dancing in sunglasses, like, in my shades. Just slow dancing to this, like, you know, pop. They're already slow dancing to this rap song. So what's the difference? I don't know. Whatever. It's going to make a pretty good article over the school newspaper. Like, yeah, I was at the dance. And then uh, one of the most famous people in the world showed up and asked me out. So I've talked a lot about how, like, you know, this is one of those, like, oh, they aren't sure how to wrap it up, Disney Channel movies. And how it's a short decon that should have been a lot longer. And they gloss over so much stuff, like... Jessica getting home in the cab. Sarah being like, what happened with the keys? Explaining stuff to the parents and to grandma. There was more room here for stuff. It's kind of weird though. Like, I can't really forget in this movie that these two actors are six years apart. Sterling Knight was 20. Danielle Campbell was 14 when this movie was being filmed. They look closer in age because Sterling Knight looks younger than 20. Danielle Campbell looks a little older, but like, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) They're six years apart. It's a little weird. So they don't have him kiss because you don't have them do that when it's a, a predatory age gap. And I feel like it's kind of implied in this movie that uh, the age gap, I don't know. Well, Chris does say he's 17, so he's a minor. And Jessica, I don't know. If Sarah's supposed to be like 16, maybe, and Jessica's 15. So maybe we're thinking Chris and Jessica are like a year and a half apart. That's reasonable. That is reasonable. So I'll wrap this with saying Starstruck 2 
would have been super cool. Uh, I know maybe didn't have as big of a, enough of a following to do it, but like, I don't know if you're tracking their long distance relationship or something, or if he's like, I want to move to Kalamazoo, or if she's like, I want to move to LA and I'm just going to live with Chris, just like stubby because he's rich. So I can just live with him and go to school there, I guess. And <laughs> there's some sort of conflict with that. Or, you know what? I don't expect this would happen, but I talked about how Lemonade Math is still open for a sequel. Starstruck is also open for a sequel still. Starstruck 2, that could happen. If they maybe broke up and are now getting back together, or maybe they just stayed together the whole time, they're like, I don't know, getting married now or something, that'd be pretty ridiculous. But like, I, it would be kind of unrealistic, I guess, because, well, first of all, it's unrealistic. But also, this doesn't seem like the dynamic, a relationship dynamic that will work out long term. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally, I'm not an expert on this kind of thing. But maybe these two people who were so willing to hold each other accountable within the 24 hours of knowing each other, were just ready to yell at each other. And then they still liked each other at the end. Maybe that is the recipe for long-term success. Who am I to say? Who am I to say? So that's the end of this episode of Disney Channel Discourse. I have had so much fun talking about Starstruck. If anyone else has any thoughts about it, let me know at Disney Channel Discourse on Instagram. And the last thing I'm going to do is... If you got Netflix, which you probably do, uh, watch The Social Dilemma. It's a fantastic documentary. Educate yourself about the dangers of capitalist oppression through technology and social media.